1: Here is Biblical Citizen. Let's roll.
2: Hello, Biblical Citizens, and greetings on this Holy Week. Are moral issues and political issues two separate categories? Do we honor the Lord if we withdraw from the world of politics? Our guest today says a resounding no, and he backs it up with Scripture. He is Frank Kaser who has been a biblical worldview political activist for over 25 years. Prior to that, he worked in the Department of Defense, Intelligence Community, and he's also been a lay pastor at Grace Bible Church for many years and does many other things, writes many articles and many forms of communications, which we don't even have time to go into. But we do want to talk about his new book, 65 Wisdom Principles for Christian Political Activists. Welcome,
3: Frank. Well, welcome, Brian. And the caffeine. it's good to be with you again. It's been a long time.
2: It has been a long time. We have had you on the show before. So I'm going to ask you right off the top, Frank, what caused you to write this book about, you know, about Christianity and politics?
3: Well, it's been kind of a niche of mine for a long time, but uh, I've lectured, I've taught, I've led groups, I've worked with Christian leaders and ministry leaders throughout, I think for 25 years or longer. On the issue of politics, and I, and I kept coming up with these little one-liner principles with a kind of a scripture verse to support them. And I, after a period of time, I go, well, why do I have to, keep, why do I keep saying what these principles are and you're not explaining them in a lot of detail? So I figured, you know what? I'm going to just write a book about them. And I kept coming up with more and more of them. I ended up with 65 of them, <laughs> wrote them down, put two pages of text for each one to try to explain what they meant. And that was what resulted in this book.
4: Well and one of your main points is that we cannot separate moral issues from political issues. There you have a chapter even on Principle 17. Every moral issue is a political issue and every political issue is a moral issue. And and there's the salt and light imperative in Matthew five that applies to every legitimate endeavor in life, whether personal, political, recreational. If we shun the world of politics, it can have very bad consequences. Candid and and so tell us how moral issues are political issues as well.
3: <laughs> well, my my kind of view when the label political issues put on it, there's only one reason to call it that, and that is to try to get Christian influence out of it. Mm. The Bible makes no The Bible makes no distinction between political and biblical. Everything is political. I mean, if we claim as Christians that the Bible is our You know, source of all things that are true about our faith and our practice. Then why would we ever separate out this one little niche in politics or governmental involvement or voting, those kinds of things, from our ministry efforts in this world? It doesn't make any sense. So I would maintain that's an artificial separation.
4: Mm -hmm. Well, and just from my philosophy background, you know, the word political, the root word of it is polis. And that just means the city, and so the unit that you live in, the city-state. What it used to be in ancient Greece, but now it's similar. The city, the community. So it just means the the things that affect the city. Well, that's our life, that's our community. So that's what it means. But you say in your book, you know, that uh, some pastors, some Christians, think of political as in terms of exercising ruthless power, backroom deals, cutthroat character assassination. Well, that's not what we want to be involved in. Of course not, but that does a disservice. That definition does a disservice to the entirety of proper governmental functions that by nature should be deliberative, God-honoring, and with a measured degree of compromise for the benefit of the nation's citizens. So I thought that was very good that you said that, and that is what some people think of in when they think of politics, but that is not what it really is, is it?
3: Oh well, no, of course not. As a matter of fact, I would maintain any profession. You take a profession, and if Christians are not involved, if biblical principles of values and character and honesty and integrity are not inculcated into that profession, I would maintain it's going to rot. Well, how mm-hmm. much more so something like government, which attracts people who want to exercise power and control, if we remove our influence on that, if we disengage from that, then why would we ever expect government on its own to become a noble thing that would be intending to just accomplish what it needs to accomplish for our own good? It won't do that. It, needs to it. Government is a, is a gift from God. It controls anarchy, it, prov- it provides a, uh, protection for its citizens, and it provides for the common good. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if we don't help ensure that that's the case, and we're not helping government fulfill what God has ordained it to do.
2: Yeah. You know, you mentioned, again, back to your Principle 17, you also have a quote that says there's a deep divide about whether churches should be engaged in anything that even has the appearance of being political. So it's not just—we're not just talking about we as Christian individuals. We're also talking about churches, and it to us it was so— What's the word? Concerning is to say the least that even in the last two years when our very ability to meet together, to worship in person together was banned or severely restricted by the state and how the great majority of churches just seemed to bow down and not, not resist as if going along with the state took precedence over all else. And that's been continues to be concerning.
4: But Frank- there's other big issues that are going on in our state uh that we that are moral issues and political issues that Christians should really be concerned about like the proposal to make California into an, an abortion sanctuary state like and use taxpayer money to fly people in to have abortions I mean that is really terrible and then they even want to have infanticide up to 4 weeks old of a baby be, after being a, after a baby be, is born i mean that th- these are things that if we don't step up who is going to and the government's just running amok i mean on so many levels in here in california more than anywhere else it seems
2: so frank an issue like this don't you think that pastors themselves should be involved and churches should be involved encouraging the congregation to make their voices known
3: Oh, absolutely i mean where are we to be—where are Christians supposed to be equipped to all, for all the good works that God has ordained for us to do? That's within the church. That's where the giftedness is. That's where the spiritual insights are. That's where the understanding of the principles of Scripture to apply in our lives, in every other aspect of our life. Why would we carve out a niche called governmental involvement and ignore that completely? It doesn't make any sense. Now, the church is the best place for that. matter of fact, pastoral leadership should be— in, encouraging us to become engaged involved in something that has such a major impact on our personal lives, our family lives, and our society. So that they definitely should be encouraging. Now, there, there is an issue about, from the pulpit, what should be preached. And Christians will differ on that. Spiritual leadership will differ on that. But I would maintain, even if they there's a, a more narrow focus about what the preaching content should be, there's tremendous avenues of, of ministry throughout the other churches, uh, outlets, if you will, of ministry, that can be engaged and involved in how we vote, how, what candidates we support and want, and how we apply biblical principles to the to governance around us. So that, we shouldn't be taking a narrow view of what our solid light mandate is. It's very broad and not ignore this one area that has such a massive impact on our personal lives.
2: There's certain issues that I think are just, even if you take a narrow view, like you mentioned, that are just screaming for involvement. And a second area that we're going to mention is the area of education of our children. We've heard about this bill, this new law in Florida, that, um, gee, you're not supposed to teach transgenderism and explicit sex sexual ed to kindergartners and first and second graders and california has even banned travel to florida because they enacted that bill so i mean anybody that would say that something like this the education of our young children is just a political issue and we should not get involved even as churches not get involved i just think that's not only not part of scripture i think it's directly against scripture
3: Oh, absolutely. I would say, show me where it's written, that government has the responsibility and authority under God to educate our children and to replace parents as far as that authority figure, as far as what should be the child's values and their character that they should be approaching the world with. I find that nowhere. That that responsibility is entrusted in the, the care and nurture of parents of their children. It uh, doesn't mean it's easy. It doesn't mean it's uh, something that's that it can be just done with a few minutes a day or whatever. But government is not entrusted with that care. As a Matter of fact, when you have a secular government, which we do have, you why would we ever expect it to embrace our values in educating our children? This takes constant vigilance in order to make sure that what we are paying for, as far as education, public education specifically, is accomplishing that which enhances the child's understanding of what our values are, and be able to have the tools, the educational tools, in order to, you know, research on their own, think on their own, reason on their own, okay. and get, you know, access materials and information that would better equip them to be good, godly citizens than biblical citizens. So th- there's this, you know, this conflict between what government is trying to do with our children and what parents have the authority before an Almighty God to do their own
4: children. Absolutely, and it just illustrates what we're seeing now is the principle that if you don't care about politics, you surrender yourself to those who do, and that's what we're seeing.
2: I think we agree it's foolish to try to divide politics from moral issues. It's time for a break, but stay tuned. We're going to explore the conflict that often occurs between supporting our values and our political positions and which candidate is the most electable. Be right back. There is more Biblical
1: Citizen. Let's roll. Still to come on K-Praise.
2: Welcome back to Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Now, here are your hosts, Kathleen and Brian Melinakis on K-Praise. We are back with Frank Kaser, biblical worldview scholar and author of the new book, 65 Wisdom Principles for Christian Political Activists. Frank, I want to move to principle 33 now. We're obviously only covering a couple because you got to buy the book. But 33 is support a candidate closest to your values and the most electable. You know, I often hear from Christians that, and it's frustrating to me, who say why they're not voting in a certain election or, or not voting, period. They say, I refuse to vote for the lesser of two evils. Now, personally, I don't know about you, but personally, I have a hard time with that because it seems like we're in a fallen world, and we all have some evil within us as hard as we, uh, even as believers, you know, so I don't know. What do you think about that?
3: <laughs> well, we are in a fallen world. We're all sinners, and I think hopefully we can all admit to that. And the, the classic response to that is, well, we're not, Jesus Christ is not on the ballot. Well, okay, <laughs> that's helpful, because it focuses the point about there's only one perfect person, but there are gradations in humanity to as yep. what should be explored or not. I, I, By the way, when a person says that statement, or not wanting to vote for the lesser two evils, I can respect that, because I think that there, there's probably a, a desire to honor the Lord, and they don't want to become tainted. Yeah. Um, so I, I there's an there's an aspect to that that's, that's appropriate. That when I ran into about 20 years ago, though, I finally started thinking about this. I said, when it's framed that way, it becomes a conscience issue. How can we possibly support evil? So I took that phrase and I turned it around. And I think and I found this very very helpful with a lot of people. I say it's not a matter of voting for the lesser evil. It's a matter of voting to prevent the greater evil from occurring. And that simple little change, I found people do not have their conscience tweaked them because mm. now we can set as a noble task to say, you know what, out of these two options, which unfortunately in in our state is usually not not a good candidate amongst the two that we finally eventually vote on. And when I look at that, I say, wow, one is even more devastating than the other. I need to help, and the and the way I can probably help to to prevent that greater evil from occurring is to vote against that person by voting for the other person. It doesn't obviate my responsibility to help mentor, encourage, you know, and help train godly men and women to run for political office and to do what's needed in order to become that good candidate, so we're not faced all the time with the with two of them I'm trying right. to decide
2: which one well that argues really with for ongoing political involvement doesn't it because only with ongoing political involvement are we going to see at least in the primary process probably better options presented
4: well and 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 candidates and political leaders need the support of the people they need people to back them up so this is a responsibility we have to have and ongoing support on. You know, choose somebody that's that is that does reflect your values, and then keep supporting them in the right ways. And yes, in Proverbs twenty one one, it says, as you quote, "The king's heart is a stream of water in the hands of the Lord; he turns it wherever he will." But of course. He, you know we're we're responsible to live godly lives and to be good examples and and we are going to have the leadership that we deserve unless the lord is merciful
2: <laughs> I think but, that, that I mean I, go the, on, but... I think throughout the bible throughout the history of the hebrew people in the old testament we see pretty much the the Jewish people got the for good and for ill got the leadership they deserved, and I think it's just as much as true for us. Why wouldn't it be?
4: Well, and the leaders affect the the people as well. Their behavior, so it's an ongoing thing. The leadership and the people who who follow them. So, but Frank, yeah. I'd like
2: you to elaborate yeah. a little bit back to this uh, principle thirty three. And my question for you is: How can we balance character? We have the character of the person. We have the political positions they maintain, and then we also have their electability. Because a lot of times, doesn't it seem like we have somebody that's a devoted Christian, and they'd probably agree with us 99% of the time, but they're probably not going to win. So how do we deal with things like that?
3: Well, you know, I have a whole chapter here on the difference between a principalist and a pragmatist. And uh, bless the heart of you know, uh, the person who stands on principle and solidly on it, because that helps keep the rest of us in, uh, in tow to ensure that we're not violating anything of God's Word. But the reality is, in politics, it's, politics is a field of compromise and what is best for the common good. So it really, it really comes down to, to me... I am very concerned about a person's character. If the character is like a Christian who's been mentored within the church and we know the quality of that person, I, I have great hope for that person to get engaged and involved in the, with the governmental realm because they can learn the politics, they can learn policy, they can learn to articulate issues uh, in a way that is understandable. But if a person has bad character, even if they're right on the policies I don't know if I can trust them to stay solid on those policies. Yep. So, character is a big deal. But in reality, it comes down to yeah, of, sometimes in the in the primaries, we'll have five people running for an office. And there's one person in there that we know is a solid believer. And they threw their hand in the ring because they, they don't like anybody else on the ballot. The problem is that person has not spent the years of diligent labor to try to prepare. Uh, him, himself or herself for that position to build the networks with organizations that would that would support and endorse that person to build the financial base that's going to be needed in order to carry that campaign forward. All the due diligence that is needed hasn't been done. So this white knight, if you will, coming in at the last minute, the probability of them gaining any type of measure of vote it is just trifling. Is is small. So those things don't have, it can happen. You know, the Lord can bring that about. But in reality, after looking at <laughs> looking this area for so long, that is exceedingly rare. Yeah. So,
4: well, I have a question. Doing. You know, there's the what? the conflict between somebody that's a career politician, which is someone that does do all that due diligence. They build up a network. They work towards it for a long time, and maybe they stay as a politician versus someone who is from another profession who has experience maybe governing other things, but then, as you say, doesn't have the political network and the and the things that are supporting that. So, I mean, we talk about this, Brian and I, a lot. We don't, you know, this person has never run for our office before and they expect to just walk in. Well, what about the person who does that as a job for his lifetime profession? I mean, there's got to be some place in the middle? Isn't that the best, or
3: what? I mean... Well, it it, it depends. I mean, uh, the the issue about term limits is a good issue, and I think that's a a good topic of discussion amongst the Christian community, as far as what the proper approach would be. Uh, Biblically, a person who is well-mentored and shepherded and held accountable will grow in wisdom over their lifetime. And that's the type of person that, when they, they've been involved with politics for a long time, they are able to uh, be above the fray, if you will, and to be the good example for others and also make the proper decisions. If we, if we fire and forget, i.e., we get our person in, that person's a Christian, he's going to do great things, and we go back to our family and our church and our you know, home and everything else, and we leave them alone, why would we expect them to all of a sudden be able to be mature enough to handle all the difficulties they're going to face. It's, it's like our children. We don't say, okay, this is right, this is wrong, and that's it. We don't ever revisit it again. No. We can engage and involve with our children throughout their life. The same thing is true of people we put in the office. We need to help them. We need to come beside them. We need to tell them we're praying for them. We need to yes. find out what they're struggling with. How can we do And So it's a constant engagement to help them continue the good fight. So it really depends. Yeah. I would maintain we when we when we fire and we get somebody in there and we walk away we do that person a disservice. I agree and,
2: and and just to elaborate a little more on the other point, other part of it, which is what about people who have never been in politics? We're facing this a lot right now. There's multiple good people running for governor right now against Gavin Newsom that have never had any political office. I would say their chances of winning, unfortunately, are virtually zero close to zero so it's 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 not like we want people to be like perhaps our current president and have just lived in the political jungle for his whole whole career but I think there's a real mix I think you can have a, a private life but then at some point you get more and more involved in the political arena so you make the type of contacts that you need to make
4: but we, the people, are very important in sustaining the support yep. for people that are godly that are going for the political office. So we, we we can't just be in our private homes and be left alone. A lot of us would like to just be left alone by government, but they're not going to do that. So we, we have to support the godly candidates.
3: Exactly. You know, it's interesting you bring up Trump. He never occupied uh, elective office before, but I think that that... That's a good guide again for this, for the state. When there's an overwhelming rejection of this current status quo, where there's a moral imperative that knits people together to be so outraged by what's going on that they want to change, that opens the door for somebody who has a skill set to address problems, or they have a business background, or they have they have right. an analytical somebody do you can have that has good character for them to come into office. But that's not the case in most situations, particularly like in this state. When you Frank,
2: have- we're going to have to say this has been excellent, but we're going to have to say okay. goodbye now, but really appreciate taking Just your time. Just one
4: last comment before we go. Frank?
3: From you? sure. Hey, um, politics is in the air we breathe. We can't get away from it. And whether we vote or not vote, that's making a political statement, but we need to get engaged for the glory of God and do as best as we can for the common good.
4: We'll see you another time. To bless your neighbor, consider getting this excellent book, 65 Wisdom Principles for Christian Political Activists, and most importantly, strive to live out your Christian faith in the public square as well as the rest of the areas of your life. Happy Easter to everyone from Biblical Citizen. Let's roll.
1: Join us next Saturday at noon for Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Your hosts, Brian and Kathleen Melanakis, seek to educate and activate Christians at a grassroots level, helping them to live out their responsibility to influence civic affairs for good. Next week, we will cover another major news happening from the view of the Biblical Citizen.